If you're doing fantastic, let me feel it. Um, I had this thought, you know, I just, I had this thought, have you ever been invited to somebody's house and you don't know whether you should take your shoes off or not? And then you get in there and you're, you don't really feel completely at peace because you don't know if you should have your shoes on or your shoes off and you haven't quite figured out your host and your hostess yet. Guys, if you need to, take your shoes off right now. I know John Kim is in the back going, oh my gosh, what did we open the door to? Uh, this is your new home. We prayed, you know, could God be honored in this place? And I really believe that the answer uh, is yes. And that really is our, our hope. It's going to take a while. It's a little different. I hope you enjoyed the communion. Yeah, I just sat there and I thought about how much I get to be forgiven of just for the last four or five days. And, you know, I thought about, in my own life, I thought about the anger and the sin of distrust. And I sat there and I thought, wow, you know, I get to leave here freed from the burdens of my own soul. And I hope that that's true of all of us today, that, you know, we all have a fight to fight, which is tonight's lesson. Where do I point this, by the way? I point this at Jason Rain. Did it go forward? Oh. Can we go backward? There we go, the fighter. Amen. I want to begin by thanking, obviously, God himself for allowing us to come here and to worship him. Because that's going to be what we're going to be talking about, because it is a fight. It's a fight to do that. But I want to thank him first. I do want to thank... John Kim in the back, who is uh, the point person, the facility manager for the Cottonwood Christian Church Center here, and uh, has been a gracious host, as well as Junie, our sound man. Uh, it's a great new relationship, and uh, we hope that what we do here will be honorable to God and honorable to the new friendships that we have uh, built with uh, the both of them. I want to thank publicly Steve and Shonda for their love and their faith, their tireless energy for the campus ministry. And for the family ministry, that their hearts are big enough that actually they don't just love that ministry, but they also love the singles ministry, and the mature disciples, and the teen ministry. I want to thank Martin and Tina and Ezra, that great new family, Dick G., Mark Amendola, Dave Powell, Jason Rain, um, and Brian Plymel, who really had so much to do with helping us uh, navigate uh, getting to here. And uh, it really was a family effort, and I just felt like you know it was due to them. And I pray that you can thank each of them in some small way on the way out, because it was really their faith and their hard work that's allowed us to come here and to worship God in this place. Amen? This is a series about Jesus and true grit. The title is The Fire. And we begin with this concept about the saying that freedom isn't free, but neither is love. And really, it's a fight. As I was thinking about, you know, tonight, you know, it's easy 
<laughs> Let's be honest. I mean, it's easy to show up here, isn't it? It's really, I mean, when you think about it, it's easy to get in your car and, and come here. And, and to a degree, it's even easy to go day to day to do the things that you and I have been called to do. But man, what I've been learning in the last several days and weeks is it's really hard to stay engaged, to love God deeply, and to love the people that God has put in your life. Can I get an amen? amen. And it really is genuinely a fight. It's a fight to love God. It's a fight to love one another. And I think we're going to see tonight from Scripture... It's not the size of the dog in the fight, but it's the size of the fight in the dog. That God wants to ignite something in each and every one of us because there is a spark. And there is a fight. There's a fight that each of us have got to fight in this room to grasp the love and the plan of God. We've seen great fighters in our lives. Can anybody tell me who Muhammad Ali thought was his toughest fight? I thought the same thing. It was his first wife. <laughs> I almost hit the floor when I saw that. I'm like, that cannot be true, and it is not true. There's a handful of, I think, very capable men when it comes to fighting. I think a Jeff Orsinigo is one man. And Jeff's been thinking about and training for this mixed martial arts thing, and I really admire that. But if you talk to Jeff, he will tell you that he's fighting a battle far greater than getting in an arena with another man and going to blows. He's fighting a fight to love God in the middle of a life that only he can live and fight with God. I admire that. Cassius Clay and Doug Jones. Let's talk about fighting words. Let's turn in our Bibles. Now, if you'll bear with me, is it possible to get that screen to match that screen? Okay, great. Bear with me. This is the first time. Let's talk about fighting words. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 18. You've heard that description. Them's the fighting words. You've heard those before? I remember the last fight I was in. Sadly enough, it was before I was a Christian, amen? I remember walking out of a bar. I was in my early 20s, and I walked, was walking to my car with a couple of friends, and some guy was staring at me. And I walked right up to him face to face, about a foot away, and I said, what are you staring at? He said, nothing much. And I got a little closer to him. I said, really? He said, yeah, he, goes, he said, you know, I've got a pretty mean right hook. And at that time, I was looking at the side of his face. About three seconds later, I was looking at the ground. <laughs> he had a really good right hook. <laughs> Fighting words. After being chased with a bat after that fight, I learned something about Fighting. John chapter 18, verse 19. Jesus, these are Jesus' words. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Hey, who are the people that you're keeping company with? And by the way, what exactly are you telling people? 
this is Jesus replied, I've spoken openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby struck him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest? He demanded. If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21, verse 46. After preaching a parable, they looked for a way to arrest him. But they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. Matthew chapter 22, verse 46. Isn't it great being in our Bibles together? No one can say a word in reply. And from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Luke chapter 19, verse 48. Yet they could not find any way to do it because all the people hung on his words. Luke chapter 11, verses 43 through 44. Woe to you Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves, which men walk over without knowing it. And there's one more verse in that that I want to read to you. In verse 45, it says, One of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. You know, as we springboard into the centerpiece of the teaching in John chapter 2, and we talk about Jesus cleansing the temple, I want us to first think about this reaction that people had toward Jesus, whether they were a pagan, a person that didn't know God, whether they were just a part of the crowd, whether they were being taught as a disciple, whether they were part of the Jewish faith that he was preaching from their text from. Regardless of which group you belong to, when you heard Jesus preach, something happened inside of you that you were provoked 
There was something that he said and there was the way that he said it that drew a response to people that either they were afraid or they wanted to fight. It was a fight or a flight system that Jesus created inside of man. John chapter 2. I'm going to read this text and refer back to other texts, but I want us to talk about this concept, this true grit part, this part of Jesus, and I hope that tonight, somehow through the Scripture, that God is going to ignite your thinking about a part of Christ that maybe you've never seen before. Something that's going to pull you in as you see the majesty and the awe of God Himself through the life and the Spirit of Christ. John chapter 2, verse 14. We'll pick it up in verse 12. After this, He went down to Capernaum and His mother and brothers and His, and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip at accords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins. of the money changers, and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? His disciples said, Remember that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Then the Jews demanded of him, What miraculous sign can you show us to prove? your authority to do all this. What we know about this passage that really captivates me in the book of Mark and the book of Luke, it's interesting that the night before, if you read your Bible and you read about Jesus cleansing the temple, he actually went into Jerusalem the night before. He went into the temple court area or the court of the Gentiles. The people came from all around the surrounding areas to exchange their money so that they can worship God, to go and pray and find forgiveness and find peace. And that area had been turned into a thief, a a, a, a den of robbers. People had been using that particular area to sell and buy and to create a ruckus and to diminish the honor of God. Jesus saw all this the night before. The Scripture says He left Jerusalem and He went to Bethany. And then he went back the next day. As the commentators tell us, methodically he put the whip together. He didn't come on the scene and lose control and fall into a fit of rage and drive out of the court of the Gentiles hundreds of men. But tonight what we've got to ask ourselves is, and just think about this, is how did this man... No sword, no shield, no frothy band of brothers, no robe of the high priest. One man 
in a group of hundreds of people with a whip. Turned that public area upside down. How did he do that? That is the face of the God who wants us to know the love of God. God is so desperate for us to understand His love. God is so eager for us to participate in the plan of His love. God knows in order to grasp His love, we have got to grasp. In order to grasp His love, we've got to fight the sin in our life. Tonight, we all have a fight to fight. When I showed up in 1994, I was about to get a divorce. I don't know where you're at tonight, but we all have a fight to fight. And we can show up and pretend everything's okay. And we can sing songs and we can be joyful. And we can get in our cars and go to that dollar menu place. Or we could humble ourselves and be honest and talk to somebody about the fight that we have to fight. Switzerland is a place where they don't like to fight, so they get people to do their fighting for them while they ski and eat chocolate. (laughs) You know, I want us to think about this tonight in the book of Luke chapter 14. I I don't know where most of you are at tonight. After three years of grieving and loving and serving, Julie and I are putting back some of the pieces in our personal life. It's exciting and it's scary. I shared this with some of the men that I love deeply several hours ago. There are parts of me and myself that I've neglected for years. That I've been busy helping other people. You know, one of the dangers in helping other people is sometimes you don't want to help yourself. And you want to win the world. You want to make a name for yourself. You want to build a monument, but you don't want to deal with yourself. That's been me. There are parts of me I just don't want to deal with. Because it's too painful to deal with these places. And then God puts people in my life to deal with them. Boy, it's a fight to be humble. We had a great time with Brian and Karen Plyman yesterday. And after that, Julie and I had a great talk too. And she was helping me 
Because there are times when I'm hurt and I'm trying to express what I think and feel, I can come across actually hurting other people. And she said, you know, Joel, sometimes when you say things, you say the right thing, but you say it in such a way that I think people feel hurt. And I'm one of them. I went to the coffee house this morning, and my another coffee house story. And I went to plug my computer into the wall, and I noticed one of the three-prongers was broken in the wall. And just for a split second, I thought I should pull that out. And of course, I didn't do that. So I walked up to this young woman who's a barista, and I said, excuse me, I said, you've got a piece of metal you know, protruding. I said, you, you need to call your corporate office, but make sure you write it down and you call. But this is a major hazard. And I thought I said it in a way that I was being really loving, and she like, looked at me with a scowl. <laughs> so she walks back over there, a piece of tape, and because I had just had this discussion with my wife, I said, you know, I don't know, I must have, maybe I said it the wrong way. I didn't mean to offend you. I just, I really don't want anybody to get hurt from this piece of metal. She goes, no, that, you didn't offend me. I was just busy with the coffee order. It made me feel really good. But I'm at a place in my own personal life where I'm trying to really look at myself right now and separate out. You know, I have convictions about certain things, but I have legitimate fears about other things. And I'm battling with trust. I am battling with a very deep place inside of me, a deep crevasse, a crevice, a spot in my heart that I've got to really look at right now. And it brings up parts of me where I, I, I'm going to start thinking about things that I don't want to think about. But I believe it's time now to deal with it. You know, in the book of Luke, this is what Jesus is teaching this is what I believe God wants us to hear. In what capacity, I don't really know. But He wants us to hear this. He wants us to know tonight that there is a plan, that there is a purpose, that there is a love, that there is a relationship. But in order for us to participate in God's love, there's a fight that we have to fight to get to it. And Jesus is saying, you've got to sit down and really estimate and consider this, that you have two choices. When an animal feels like it's about to be attacked, it gets flooded with hormones and could only do two things. It could only crouch and get ready to spring and fight, or it has to run away. Luke 14, verse 31, the Bible reads here, Suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. You know, as we close this evening, it's the first time we're together. 
fight your fight. The Bible tells us that we can only run our own race. We can't run another person's race. Don't try to run someone else's race. And don't try to fight someone else's fight. You fight your fight. You fight your fight for your faith. Tonight, we are welcoming anybody here who's visiting. We want to know what your fight is. We want you to put it into your words. What is it that you fight? What is the battle tonight that you face? Maybe you believe that there is absolutely no hope for your marriage. Maybe you believe that there's absolutely no hope for a child that's gone in a direction that you couldn't dream of having that child go. Maybe you believe that you're stuck in a relationship with someone and it's destructive and you're embarrassed. Maybe there's a secret at work that you believe, if I tell people about this, it's going to mean shame and dishonor and it's not going to go well with me. Maybe you're really young tonight and you're, you're thinking about doing something that you learned about on the Internet and you're convinced, you know, if I do this, this is going to put me in, in the in crowd. And you're thinking about all sorts of different things. It's a fight that you've got to fight, but be safe and know this tonight you're, that you're being welcomed into a community that wants to fight with you. They, we can't necessarily fight your battle. You can fight your battle, but you can find the strength to fight the battle that you need to fight. And it's your fight. God wants you to fight that fight. You know, tonight... What fires me up about being in the family ministry, I love seeing families fight for one another. You know, tonight the Vasquez clan is seeing two more baptized into Christ. Amen? You know, first Juan Jr. came around, then Uncle Manny, then Angela, and then Grandma Angie. And tonight we have Juan and Mary Vasquez getting baptized into Christ. Now, we also have Andy Bulldog Ibrahim. I hope I'm not butchering your name. She's also getting baptized into Christ in the family ministry. But, you know, the thing I love, I mean, it was just so powerful. I shared this the other day when I was on a bike ride with some friends from the club. And I, I said, you know, I love this parts of the ministry that I absolutely love. And the other night we were at uh, the Robertsons' home and want to hold them up for their great work and their great faith in helping these families become Christians in uh you know, being in these studies and watching uh, Juan Sr., who I think is in his 50s, I would imagine, and um, it's just so moving, you know, watching this man with his children, looking at them and saying, you know, I'm done being that man. I want that old man to die. I found, I found a new way. Watching them stand up, embrace each other. And I thought, you know, I sat down and I said, I want you to realize this, and you probably know this, but I want you to hear it anyway. What you're witnessing right now is not happening in 99% of the families that live in this community. People are not doing this. This is so special. But the reason why it happened was because they fought. They fought for their faith. And God honored them and restored their family in Christ. Church, that fires me up. 
that fires me up. I don't know what we have coming next, but that's my my charge to all of us is to make the decision. We want to welcome everybody into this. We want to fight together, and we can fight for each other. Well, you, you need to fight your own battles, but we can fight for each other side by side. But our charge tonight is whatever it is, whatever your fight is, we are welcoming you and inviting you in. Put it into words, and let's fight this good fight of faith together. The fight to love God and love one another deeply. Amen? I'm going to turn it over to someone for the baptisms. I'm going to turn it over to our beloved elder, Joe Eads. Brothers and sisters, Joe Eads.